Hello and welcome back to Pictorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose and I didn't go to art school, but I love learning about art and seeing art that is new to me. Hi, and I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but I also really love learning about art. I have been volunteering at an art gallery for the past almost 10 years, but at this point, uh, it doesn't really matter because we're looking at art from the internet. Yeah, this is art that you too can see. So today we are doing a part two to our last episode, um, which was about cyber feminism. So if you did not listen to that episode, you should go back and listen to that first, because otherwise this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. In that episode, we went through a whole background on what cyber feminism is and the critiques and ultimate like weakening of that movement and what's happened to it. And today we're going to actually go through and look at a few examples of what cyber feminist art was when it was kind of in its heyday in the 90s. Now, I do have to say before we get going, um, as one of the main premises of cyber feminism was that the art that they made was very graphic and in your face and subversive and often quite sexual. All the art we're looking at is very not safe for work. Um, The conversation we will be having about it, we will keep it PG, of course, um, but just a blanket warning for all of these pieces. Do not click these links unless you are like, don't click these links at work is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to um, make sure I put a big disclaimer in the in the YouTube version of this as well. So when people (laughs) didn't even think of the YouTube version. (laughs) Yeah, when that comes out, we'll have a big like disclaimer at the beginning, which hopefully is what you'll be seeing on the screen right now i mean it's not pornography like there are some images from all of them that are perfectly reasonable it's just you never know what you're going to get if you keep scrolling kind of thing yeah it's sometimes there is like a fine line between like oh this is like just nudity and art to us a little bit too much but yeah like i would say well i guess i haven't seen any of this yet but i'll be the judge of that (laughs) once you show them to me (laughs) sure So we are going to start out with one of the most classic pieces of cyber feminist art, and this is called All New Gen. And so this was created by the VNS Matrix, who we talked about in the last episode, um, or some of, they were this little collective um, that was some of the founders of cyber feminism, basically. They were the people who wrote this thing called the Cyber Feminist Manifesto for the 21st Century. Um, They were in Australia. But in 1991, four women came together and called themselves the VNS Matrix, and they created this thing called All New Gen. And what it is is a video game. Um, originally, in its first conception, wasn't an actual interactive video game, but a year or two later, they were able to actually put it together and to be an actual interactive video game. Uh, a few very interesting things about this. One, the beginning screen of it asks, what is your gender? And you can click male, female, or neither. Um, but if you click male or female, it sends you into this loop that ends the game. Um, you have to pick neither. <laughs> wow. that's that's That seems ahead of its time. Yeah. A, a lot of the stuff that cyber feminism was doing, it was uh, very, like, woman-focused. Um, but it would also was trying to be very subversive with gender and especially in the way that sort of biology and gender are connected and wanting to really break down that association um which we'll see more in in other pieces that we're going to look at as well 
but the basic premise of the game uh, is you are you have a little army um, and you are hacking into what is called the Big Daddy mainframe. Um, it's a very subtle symbol of the patriarchy. The whole idea is, you know, uh, the Internet was a very masculine space, still is. It was aggressively gatekept. I guess that's how you would say that um, by men in power and culturally and all these different ways. Um, and so this was a way of sort of reclaiming it in a very female space. Um, uh, there's also a specific word for the people in your army, which I will be not saying this podcast because we are keeping this family friendly, um, but they are all female characters, which in itself was subversive at the time. There were barely any female playable characters in video games at all. Um, just as like a little video game history note here, this was after um, Metroid came out, uh, okay. which is like, I think the first game or at least the first like mainstream game in which he played as a woman. But the fact that the, the, the playable character was a woman was like a huge reveal and like kind of a secret. In the first game, you could only find that out. Like the character only took off her helmet at the end of the game. If you beat it in under five hours, it was like a very big deal. <laughs> um, and this was just a couple years after that. And then you are literally going through this game, taking apart all of these male ideas of uh, technology and video games um, and creating what is called a new world disorder with the help of, let's just say, weapons that were devised from female anatomy. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing some of these. I'm looking on this website and I'm seeing a lot of pictures that I'm I'm definitely not going to describe with words um because I'm some of it is a little disturbing and I see it I see a lot of anatomy this is an anatomical forward game I would say so yeah is this let me ask is this like uh because I'm I'm obviously not playing the game right now and maybe I'll check it out later if it's free for play but um is this like mostly a text-based game or is there actually like characters moving around and stuff do you know yeah I mean it they didn't have uh, the best graphics in the world, but there were there was definitely a lot of imagery um, in the game. As somebody who played a lot of video games as a kid and still to this day plays video games, I I am very into uh, games with playable female characters. I think I do remember just growing up. Like at one point, I remember I was like. I played games like Grand Theft Auto and stuff, but, you know, it's kind of like I sometimes I'm ashamed to like admit it. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm old enough. I will say <laughs> that. Yes, I have played those games. And I, I do just remember like when I was when I was maybe like 14 or 15 at that point, because I never played a g game like Metroid. And now I wish I would have. I just remember thinking it's like, wow, like I have never played a game with a playable female character. And then I don't think I went on I think it was maybe I was maybe like 18 or 19 when it was the first time I played a game with a female playable character and I think it was one of those games where you can customize your character not to say that it didn't come out until then but yeah it really like had I known about this game back then I so would have played it oh yeah there is an interesting thing about like the way that gender and sex are depicted in this game as well because I just think it's so fascinating that it starts out that one source says that you have to say neither. I've seen. I just saw a different screenshot that has it. The options as female, male, or non-specific, um, as the thing that you have to click. But at the same time, like the actual imagery and components of this game are incredibly 
again, I have to say they're incredibly anatomical um, and they (laughs) they definitely associate like biological sex with gender um, in a way that is not surprising for like 1993, of course. Um, But I just find the sort of the uh the disconnect there between some playing with the idea of the gender binary and what gender means but still like very much falling back on basically uh biological parts equaling gender this game overall like i mean it does seem um pretty blatant uh in terms of it's not like a subtle metaphor or anything there are lots of games that come out all the time um that are about these ideas of like power and oppression and uh subverting different ideas um there tend to be more subtle now um than this one is which is very aggressive um it's not even a metaphor really (laughs) it's just you know you are you have an army of women and they have to to fight the patriarchy the personification of the patriarchy which is why I can see why this wouldn't be a very mainstream game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of, this is why it's a part of this like art collective and it's relegated to this, you know, part of the internet where it's like, oh, this is feminist art instead of this is a mainstream video game. <laughs> exactly. And it's also, you know, like, again, this is the early 90s when I'm sure that some people at the time also were like, this is too much, you guys. But, you know, this is, Oh my god, this is thirty years ago. Oh my god, um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it is more old than you, Quinn. The game, <laughs> uh, yeah, that just really hurt me to remember um, how long ago the early nineties were for some reason. Um, but anyway, but the the level of like feminist discourse and like gender discourse was very different then. Um, and even though this is this is the kind of thing that ultimately was like heavily criticized in cyber feminism as a movement of like style over substance, basically beyond their failure to be intersectional. Um, they also were criticized generally for this idea of like, we're like, we've got girl power or whatever, you know, with all the R's, but without <laughs> having like proper political weight behind their ideas um i'm not saying like i'm I'm not placing the entire weight of gender <laughs> gender politics right. on this one art piece um but it does like it does definitely remind me of those criticisms and this piece is pretty closely related to a another piece i'm going to show you which is called cyber flesh girl monster we are staying wow. subtle i am excited this piece is a bit different, um, and so it it was also a feminist video game, but um, it was quite different um, in what it actually was. And so uh, it was created by an artist, also Australian, named Linda Dement, um, and she had about 30 women um, scan parts of their bodies and record sounds. Ooh. And then the game is created of... All of those different scans of body parts um, that are basically you can uh, put them together and you create these like horrifying monster looking things Um, and they they can be animated. You can interact. They they interact with each other. um, And every if you as the player, when you click on them, uh, they trigger some kind of response that could be one of those audio clips. It could be text. You could like create another one of these girl monsters. Um, hence the name. 
it's uh and as you go and as you click on everything it creates a kind of like non-linear narrative experience this is more like a narrative video game um than you you know fighting to defeat something um but it is supposed to be about this whole idea of monstrous femininity um and it's also heavily about uh, revenge and violence <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at some of these pictures, and they're pretty grotesque. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, have you ever heard of the Exquisite Corpse? Oh, remind me about this? So it's basically like um, you have a big blank piece of paper, and then somebody draws one little thing, but they but then they cover it up, and then another person continues it. And then um, I did this at one of the, um, I think one of the VidCons I went to, where like uh, the art assignment had a booth where we did an ex- exquisite corpse, where like, yeah, like, we basically a bunch of people collectively create this like giant monster is is what it all always ends up being like when you continue um somebody else's drawing over to like a large piece of paper so it kind of reminds me of that um but in like a much even more grotesque way that it is kind of reminiscent of that yeah which is funny because the exquisite corpse game is actually like you know it's very innocent. <laughs> Doesn't, but the name is so macabre. Um, meanwhile, Cyberflesh Girl Monster is is exactly what it sounds like, and it's also what Exquisite Corpse sounds like. Yeah, th- this is a, I I actually think a much better representation of an Exquisite Corpse, um, except like in in a much more violent way. <laughs> like I see, like almost all of these have like body parts that look like they almost look like they've been torn apart. Yeah. Um, and or like there's blood and then there's like what looks like it could be organs and lips and just all kinds of things mushed together. Like, again, it, it, it looks feminine because there's a lot of red lips. There's a lot of um, what looks like possibly like uh, arms and leg and like la- legs and thighs and hips and stuff like that. But like coming out of weird angles and mushed together in like really grotesque ways <laughs> like i keep using that word because that's that's all i see <laughs> it's just correct and yeah it's it's all edited together um onto black backgrounds and it's a way that even though these are scans of actual people's body parts um you can't tell that they are from a scanner they do look just as you said as if they've just been ripped off of bodies and placed together in unusual ways which is fun again like i think similar to the other one you showed me like it does have that aspect of like rebelliousness of like but like rebelling against society's i guess like preconception of what like you know a beautiful woman should look like what this one is it's almost like it's it's almost like screw society we're just gonna tear our bodies apart and mush it back together like it it has that sense to me i don't know if that's what where they were getting what they were getting at yeah it also reminds me of the way that uh female bodies are so objectified um, by media and by culture and reduced down to just body parts. Um, I mean, this this piece deals with incredibly adult themes um, and incredibly, like, violent themes. And it also, like, strikes me um, in the way the imagery is used, not only with all, like, the red lips and the sort of bloody images with some of them, the way it creates this surreal 
violence, um, which feels like the way that you might perceive uh, your body or parts of your body um, after trauma um, and feeling this disconnect as if they are no longer part of you. I feel like quite often in society or like in media or from what I see anywhere, there isn't a lot of talk about trauma to a body or like... um, or like you know a body after going through surgery and after having parts like cut off and that's what a lot of women eventually go through because of various illnesses and injuries and stuff like that and I think this this also is a way of reclaiming that like you know you don't have to look like a perfect person in like a magazine in order to feel beautiful because like to be quite honest like some of this again like I know I use the word grotesque like some of these images are kind of like grotesquely beautiful to me. Hmm. Um, like that's that's how I feel. It's like it's like there is there is this like sense of beauty that I see, but it's like it's not like it's hard to describe. Like it's it's more so it's it, it's more like I want to celebrate these like body parts just to deobjectify women or something. Like I don't even know. <laughs> like, well, that's very interesting. I have one more piece to show you, and I want to send this over to you now. This is a piece I have conflicting feelings about. Um, It is called Brandon. It was made by the artist uh, Shuli Chang, and it is about the story of a man named Brandon Tina, who was a transgender man um, who was attacked and murdered um, when he was very young. I believe he was 21. And sorry, before you continue, is this a true story or is this a oh no this is a true story his story actually also inspired the movie boys don't cry um which i have not seen but i have heard of um it was a 1999 hillary swank film um and it was a fictionalized story of of his life and his death his murder as well as the murder of matthew shepard were two of like the most high profile um hate crimes that led to a reevaluation of hate crimes in the way that especially uh, hate crimes against LGBTQ people um, were sort of looked at um, and handled. And so this art piece, um, which I said before, it's called Brandon. Um, It was a online like website um, that had a a narrative. It was kind of, it was actually the Guggenheim Museum's um, first commissioned online piece. So it's actually like a really interesting piece of history here. Um, This is in 1998 and 1999 um, was when this piece was created. And so it's this whole giant narrative um, on this website that also included like in-person installations. It included like different discussion forums. It included like aspects of performance is a wide-ranging piece of art that was created uh led by chang but also like it also included input from lots of other kind of people and institutions as well it was actually recently restored like a couple years ago which is very interesting to me in sort of commemoration of net art and the whole point of the piece um, not only to explore like specifically brandon's life um and his death uh, was also it's about these sort of ideas of like the way that people construct bodies online, the way that people construct bodies in real life, um, the way that uh, oppression based on gender continues to exist even while you're on the internet. So this goes back to a lot of things we talked about in the last episode. 
the tension between the utopian ideas of early cyber feminism versus like the reality of you still carry your whole self on the to the internet and that has we have not not uh, overcome that one so why why do you have i don't know if you're going to get to it why do you have conflicting feelings about this one yeah so i will say first of all that i haven't been able to see like experience this full artwork obviously um because it it encompasses so much and i um have also not gone through like a whole uh web experience for it or anything um this is another one that is extremely graphic um and honestly i don't really want to i I feel conflicted about it in general because on one hand like this is a piece of this is an art piece that is intended to like explore these ideas and explore these incredibly difficult ideas and i completely believe that it intended to be like very uh, respectful and honoring of brandon um, but it also just the entire thing feels, I mean, this is a very immature word, but it all feels very icky to me because like this was a real guy who was murdered um, and the artist is not, I believe she is not trans. She is not publicly identified as trans at least um, and she is queer, um, but it still feels like it, it feels very weird to me. Um, but again, you know, one more time. This was 1999. And the same time that this piece was coming out, like, they made a movie about it starring Hilary Swank. So, like, by 1999 standards, this was, like, like far and away, <laughs> um, a, you know, progressive. I'm looking at some of the previews on net art. I haven't gone on to this to fully experience it myself either. And I also don't know if I'm going to because I, I just get really queasy looking at graphic things. And, again, just, just me, like hearing the story like i i now that you mention it i I have heard of the story i I also haven't seen the movie boys don't cry but i have heard of this um i have heard of this story before and the background is like i i actually lived in the um lgbtq village in um here in downtown toronto for many years and i do have some trans friends and i just know that yeah this is a struggle that obviously continues to today with a lot of a lot of even um close friends of mine and that's why for me I don't know if I'm gonna go look at this because I have I have a similar again like I'm not trans and I'm you know that's this is also not something that I I could say that I'm like an expert in obviously either so I do think it's important and I do think I like the fact that this is this is an online experience. It's not like even though it's commissioned by the Guggenheim, it's not something that you have to go into a museum to experience. So that's why I do think it's pretty progressive for its time. And I like the fact that it is a story that can be told on the Internet that can be accessible to everyone. And and to speak a little bit more positively about it, because I do, you know, I have mixed feelings. I'm not just like hating on it, um, but as I said before, like, I do believe that this was made, like, with the intention of being respectful and of honoring his life, not of exploiting his life. Um, and they, they, uh, the artist seemed, like, conscious of that. And she wanted to, like, uh, be respectful of his life and of the trans community. It's just, it's weird. It feels off to me in general because, um, you know, there's so much art out there that deals with like incredibly personal, incredibly difficult things. Um, and often like 
the art that I'm seeing is stuff that's made by people that who either experience that or are like examining things that are happening to people like within their identity groups and are relating to them. And so it just is like weird when it's like there's a little bit of a disconnect here. That being said, this as an art piece in itself as like a non-linear structure as of, of the way that it explores use of interactivity, use of the internet um, is definitely very cool. It's definitely like a very interesting piece of cyber feminist art. Um, and it also like, again, for the time, centering a trans story and centering this deconstruction of biological sex um by the standards of 1999 like was was a very progressive thing to do and it was like a, a and the way that this piece examines these ideas and like I am not interested in like consuming this quite graphic content at this moment in time but the way that it doesn't shy away from the graphic content in terms of images in terms of frankly discussing what actually happened and what he was put through um i think is also important in that and that it goes there basically this is like above all else it feels like it is trying to be real and it is trying to through this kind of like cyber fragmented experience uh give a truer look at uh at the difficulty and of the importance of these stories and of these ideas because they aren't linear and they aren't easy. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's these are really important stories. And again, like even though I say that, like I generally shy away from, you know, graphic imagery and things like that, I, I definitely would encourage like anyone who, you know, is interested in checking it out. And because I, I, yeah, I definitely agree that. Just because a subject matter is difficult doesn't mean, you know, it's a story that shouldn't be told. And even though this is a like, I think um, you were mentioning earlier that cyber, cyber feminism gets the criticism of not really taking on inter- intersectionality and not taking on, um, you know, being more than just about like women like this is about someone who's a trans man at the very least this is not this is not a part of this movement that's trans exclusionary well that is going to be all for today thank you uh for chatting about these pieces with me got a lot of complicated feelings about them and their sort of and how they fit into both this period in art history but also this period um in gender politics um, and reflecting on something that, you know, like these pieces are mostly within our lifetime, lifetimes. Um. (laughs) They they span the period between me and you from when I was alive to when you were alive and (laughs) (laughs) young-ish. Yeah, but uh, so it's so interesting to see that even though these are like fairly recent, Things have also changed so much and so rapidly because of social change, but also because of the technology um, since these were created. And for pieces that were focused on pushing the boundaries of culture and of pushing the boundaries of the technology that was available at the time, they are such fascinating snapshots of these very particular years. Yeah, these are definitely super interesting. Thank you for sharing these with me. I'm like, I am a little bit disturbed, but also very glad that I was able to explore these pieces. Well, then my work here is done. (laughs) 
Yay, disturbed but glad. <laughs> As we're wrapping up here, I want to tell you about another show on Relay FM that you might like, and that is Top Four. Top Four is hosted by Marco and Tiff Arment, and it's a monthly show that is about opinions, lists, and loosely enforced rules. So at every episode, they pick a different topic and they rank their top four in that topic. It might be Pop-Tarts, it might be Pringles, it might be Woodland Creatures. They really just talk about whatever they want. It is such a fun show. Um, You will argue with them as you listen to it. You will find yourself agreeing on certain things and absolutely horrified at some of their other opinions. I really recommend it. Yeah, and the really good thing about Top 4 is you can start listening at any episode. You don't need any context. So you can listen to this week's episode. You can go back six months ago and listen to whatever. They could talk about like instant coffee or card games, TV couples, um, apparently misheard Eddie Vedder lyrics, which is something that I'm actually very interested in. So I might look up that episode and go listen to that. You can find Top 4 at Relay.fm slash Top 4 or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pictorial. You can find our show notes at Relay.fm slash Pictorial. And you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at PictorialPod. You can also find me on Instagram at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at ArticulationsV. And you can also find me on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, we do upload these episodes uh, to YouTube, usually a few weeks after the audio version is out. So this one, we will be putting in some imagery. Uh, again, it won't be too graphic, but uh, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, you will have already seen some of the disclaimers. So I won't have to repeat it again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.